You're listening to New England Take, WKXL 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM Manchester, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. Be sure to check out New England Take on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to get the latest from the show. I'm going to start playing around with Getter. If you happen to be on Getter, check it out. I don't know if I'll use it, but we'll see what happens. It may be like TikTok where I'll use it for a couple weeks, post cats, and then just just uh, a shadow follow everyone from there, but we'll see. I'm very excited. Speaking of uh, journalism and what's going on with the with the industry, I've been able to have previously Dana Wormald of the New Hampshire Bulletin, who's a regular, the, his agency's a regular contributor to WKXL in the morning, which is awesome. Steve Leone, who's the publisher of the Concord Monitor, was on the show uh, a couple months ago. Even Chris Ryan, who was our former, former morning show host here and still hosts the Press Pass and WKXL was on. I love getting inside baseball on journalism and the media so everyone's aware of what's going on. And it felt great to get one of the more, uh, the newer outlets in the state to join. I'm joined by Melanie Plenda. She's the director of the Granite State News Collaborative. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to be here. So if someone's never heard of the uh, Granite State News Collaborative, say they haven't seen uh, your articles on basically all the state outlets. In this, uh, what What is the collaborative? <laughs> yes. So very basically, um, so the Granite State News Collaborative, we're a collective of more than 20 local news organizations that stretch across the state of New Hampshire. And basically, we've all agreed to work together in order to bring communities more news and information. Um, And the way that works is, um, you know, the collaborative as an organization, we help our member outlets share news of impact, uh, that news that kind of impacts, of, of statewide impact, I should say, with each other. So that's part of our job is we help them share with each other. Um, and then all anything that's shared can be distributed across any partner outlets platforms, which is great because that means more people are getting more news. It helps um, the communities around the state. So it's really great. And then In addition to that, our team of freelance reporters also help fill in reporting and data gaps. And we provide kind of the more like, not more, we provide kind of the in-depth, you know, investigative stories, series and projects. We're usually solutions focused um, for our local members to then publish or broadcast to their communities. Um, and so, and a lot of our reporters actually work directly with um, with our outlets. Um, we're I like to think of it as sort of like a little investigative SWAT team um, <laughs> that we kind of we kind of have these great reporters that get to work with us and they get to work with our partners um, and everyone benefits because there's more news out there. So and that's essentially how we work. It's always hard to like put in one or two sentences. It's a little complicated and it's still new and, and yeah. changing all the time. And it seems like you're being and flexible. I should say, we are, yeah. And I should say, too, that part of what we do is, um, in addition to working with local news outlets, we work with community members as well. Like, we work with different community organizations. We work with our education partner. Um, our main education partner is, Frank- is Franklin Pierce University, but we also work with, like, UNH, and we've worked with college kids at Keene State and, um, you know, St. Anselm. So we really do try to bring in a lot of different groups to see how can we, how can we work together. So like we work with Citizens Count, which is not a traditional news agency, um, but they produce really great uh, articles that are really informative about, you know, um, things that are going on, or bills that are going through the state house, which is really important. And so then our, all our partners publish that as well. 
Yeah, before I forget, I want to dive into the investigative journalism side because that that's like something that was like one of the first thing that those photographers and investigative journalists who are cut from yes. many, many media outlets because yes. it's so expensive. It's time it consuming. Is. You're yeah. not it's there's a um, like I love what the New Hampshire Bulletin is doing where they, they have some solid oh, journalism, yeah. but it's a constant turnaround. Like every day they're having to put out stuff because it's three reporters and Dana just constantly putting out new material through the day yeah. and it, it's hard to do. And But they need to do that in order to survive in, in the media landscape nowadays. And like yeah. outlets like the Union Leader and the Monitor and such, it's really hard for them to, to be able to stay up on, with what they need for bottom line. Yeah. And I think, and that's really true. And I think that that's why, that's why the, again, the collaborative as an organization, I really feel like our strength is we can fill the gaps. And so one of those gaps is just what you're talking about, like the investigative reporting or even just data gathering for reporters to build stories off of. It's super time consuming. It's resource intensive. And if that is the thing that we can help provide because we have time or we're able to get resources to be able to do that, then my goodness, we're filling a need. And then that way, you know, because it's all of these outlets absolutely have produced their own investigative journalism. They're absolutely capable of it. They're wonderful, wonderful reporters and editors. Um, it's just a matter of, okay, do you take the time? Do you take a reporter off their beat so that they can spend six months or whatever it is on this one project? Or do you get that local new the, the local school board meeting that's also really important to people, you know, that they need that. They need to know what's going on there. Or do you do that statewide issue story, you know? And so it it comes down to like this choice that you I I feel like outlets constantly have to make of like you know okay what do you do when when communities need all of it (laughs) like to be an informed citizenry we actually need all of it and I kind of liken it to like if a doctor told you okay you need brain surgery and heart surgery now choose which one you're gonna get well hmm (laughs) you know people need all of it and so if if we can provide that investigative journalism and even like what I think is so great, actually like New Hampshire Bulletin, what they do does fill a gap in our ecosystem, in our journalistic ecosystem. It's awesome that they're there and they're, they're contributing and we're contributing. And then the partners work with each other to contribute to each other. So I think that at the end of the day, I mean, we're hopefully having to make the choice between those few, those three areas of journalism less and less. We're all able to provide a little bit more of all of those areas of journalism. That's what I'm hoping. And I I feel like I'm seeing that emerge, you know. Like this last year, like it's totally this last year, it's exploded. I mean, between you guys, the Bulletin, New Hampshire Journal, which is, I feel like people don't, like I like the journal because yeah they do their conservative thing they do they but so does the Times the Times does the same thing you sure. look at their opinion board they have a slant Absolutely. that's very obvious see the, the journal's been doing legit journalism yep and yeah uh, and yeah and I, what I like is that I mean I think there's always going to be some level of competition but honestly I you're absolutely right that it feels like within the last year especially it just became so much less important because I'll even speak just for us. 
um, the collaborative, I mean, we've been around since 2018, but it wasn't until March of 2020 that we figured out what we were going to do together. (laughs) Like, how is this going to work? And I will say like, um, you know, in a collaborative, it's kind of a unique beast and you're working with a lot of different news outlets, a lot of different personalities. Each outlet has its own needs, has its own, you know, thing that they want to do. But when you're all suddenly in this situation where the most important thing is is to get like literally life and death information to people, um, it just sped up that process of relationship building that's necessary to work together and like Mm -hmm. we had to work together and it was that was the only thing that was important was getting that information out and in doing that we built and this is kind of the you know the the not sexy part but we built a structure that allowed us to do it I mean and it's and it's not wood it's working and I and I think partners have benefited I think New Hampshire has benefited from it but you're absolutely right in the last year I absolutely I think that we all remembered why this is so important Mm -hmm. oh yeah people became much more aware of what's going on with at least i hope at least it seems to be considering the the rise of these digital outlets really expanding Mm -hmm. as they're looking for more local like specific to their state they want to actually see the news as opposed to stuff that's obviously politically slanted one way or another and every of course every writer has their own slant like i like i I'm in this field, so I can kind of see like, oh, that person is, I could see is like what way they kind of go on that a little bit. But uh, as, as I'm a center right guy, so I'm especially um, apt yeah. to realize like, hmm, <laughs> but, yeah. and I'm a little cynical sometimes, but it's, they want to get the local side. It, it's important. Yes. And I feel like I, I always push back on this a little bit and maybe it's just the deep seated curmudgeon in me that's like, no, we don't have a slant. We really are trying. Like, and I think we all try. I do oh, yeah. legitimately think the vast majority of us try to walk that center line and just present information. But like a couple of things on that. I think like you're exactly right. I saw, I am not going to remember the numbers, but basically like nationally, the the um, trust in the media has, you know, tanked. Right. But then I saw and but I saw a Pew study where um, local news has still remained really high, Mm -hmm. like in the 50s or 60s, like people still trust their local news. And I think when it comes to that sort of, um, you know, perceived slant, I do think you get less of that in local news. And I think it's because, you know, even when I look at what all of our partner outlets are doing, um, I see more of the editors and the reporters, they really want to break down an issue. They, they focus so much less on the sausage making Mm -hmm. and the, the, the fight and focus so much more on here's what the issue is. Here's what it actually means. Here's why you should care about it. You know what I mean? Not Mm -hmm. telling you, you know, what way to think about it, but here's why it's an important issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I I think, yeah. I had a conversation with Wayne Lesperance with New England College uh, a few weeks ago, and like basically, like the premise of why I want to talk to him is like there's a difference between policy and politics, and people everyone forgot that yes. that was the case, and like there yes. there is a severe difference between the two yes. things. And my my full time job is at the law school here in Concord, and I do a regular yeah. legal podcast, and I'm like. 
oh, this has this isn't necessarily politics. It, it keeps getting roped into politics, and yeah, the justices all have their 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 ideology they they interpret the law through, but it's not as black and white as everyone makes everything out to be. Exactly, exactly, and and I think that too, like even just mentioning an issue, like even just saying and like the name of an issue mm. can all of a sudden just by sheer mentioning it well now now it's it, that's a political issue that's a right. no it's not it's an issue that we're all facing and let's look at it let's break it down and actually explain it to people and trust that they're going to know what to do with that information they're going to do what's best for them in their lives with that information and that is i feel our sole job that is our only job is to make sure that they have that yeah, it's news shouldn't just be what cable news is. Like, there's like, oh, it, it's yes. like, that's, there's a reason why, like, it, this isn't necessarily news, but like, there's a reason why Joe Rogan has become so popular over the last five years is because, like, we're going to talk about it for three hours. <laughs> like, we're going to yeah. talk about this nonstop. Yeah. The reason why I don't, uh, like, I've got 20 to 40 minute segments. Like, I we're not just going to talk yeah. for two seconds about a topic and move on. Like, no, we're going to dive into a bit. I want to know what you're actually doing. I want to know what your media outlet is doing here at the Grand yep. News Collaborative. Because yep. it's important to know where these people are coming from and that they aren't this CNN, this Fox News that yeah. are very, they're political. There's no way around mm-hmm. it, though. They're political. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, you know, and I watch them all. I do. And, and, uh, you know, CN makes me mad. MSNBC makes me mad. Fox news makes me mad every time. And I, it's like, I, I rage watch all three of them, but it's, (laughs) but but, you know, that's what we've got, like in terms of national televised news. Right. And I, and I think that I try to channel that rage into, okay, how are we going to do it different? What is that thing that's making me so mad? And it's, I don't want to be just as a reader, as a consumer Mm. of news, stop telling me how to think I can think for myself. I just need you to tell me the information. That's it. And, And then have some trust. And I do think that that is something that local news has is I do think there's trust in their audience. And I think the audience feels that on some level. And, and you know, maybe that's why there is more trust between back from the audience. Yeah. And they're, they're, the local reporter is able to focus. I mean, it, it like it, I because I talk to the bulletin guys all the time. So I, I oh, just no, are yeah, yeah, yeah. child right now. So, yeah. so I mean, even yeah, yeah. DeWitt's a young guy. He like, he's around yeah. my age, if not younger. And yep. everyone knows like if you, if for, for local news in the Concord area, like he's a great resource to be able to pull in yeah. for that. And, and then on the other yeah. side, Amory Timmons, who's their senior reporter has been around oh, a long time. Yeah. And it's just amazing to, to work with. Yeah. It, like everyone knows, like if it's health, health policy related, she's a fantastic resource to go to for that. Absolutely. Like the, the local journalists, yep have these specialties into these different areas and right. as they bring in new ones like Jeff Forster from the monitors run around taking pictures for everyone yes, <laughs> and, exactly and, and yes. you, you there's that trust that they're they're doing the the thing that they believe is right and it's not for some hidden motive I mean I think there's something to the fact too that all of our reporters and editors, they live in the communities yes. they cover. They're yes. part of that community. And so they understand it. And they and that doesn't mean that they're gonna only write, you know, feel good puppy dog stories about the community. But 
I do think that they do take to heart, okay, what is what's the need here? And they listen, they, they mm-hmm. talk to people at the grocery store and at school board meetings and that, you know, the people, their neighbors, and they take that in and they take it to heart. And I think that that's what they put into their stories. And I, and I think it's to your exact point. That's why everyone knows, oh yeah, Ethan, oh yeah, Anne Marie, you know, that that's how they're able to do that, how the local reporters are able to do that. Yeah. And that's why I like to see that you guys are doing the education side of the of the uh, journalism side, too. I mean, that's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. It was college yeah. college radio working with um, Chris Nevius over at the, the Fitzwater oh, Center and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's like I was I went to the 2008 Republican National Convention as a student journalist run help, yep. uh, leading that press team that we had. It's it's very yes. important for that next generation, because in my opinion, cable news is just going to continue to plummet over the next 20 years because my yeah. generation not paying attention to it. it there's not right. 34 i i'm right. looking at the digital outlets i'm looking at podcasts i'm looking at youtube and yeah. we're disgusted by the way like youtube for example is getting rid of dislike buttons and what obviously looks like a corporate appeasement is the reason behind right. it so i mean what's right. your um what's it look like for you guys working with the schools i i this is a personal passion of mine honestly i really and i did not know that that would be a part of my career that i enjoyed so much mm-hmm. and i think um <laughs> i'm a i'm a very enthusiastic about, i don't know if you can tell about what i do and about journalism i often uh, much to my actual children's chagrin, call it my fourth child because mm-hmm. I, I care about it. I love it. I believe in it, right? And so to be able to work with students and whether they also have that love right off the bat or they don't yet, I love it. And mm-hmm. I love being able to help them have that, to like catch that enthusiasm. At least I hope that I can. <laughs> but um, like we did a project uh this the in the spring semester um where we worked with our we were partners with the new hampshire press association and their executive director phil kincaid and i were mentors on a project with five college kids from five different uh colleges around the state and we're doing this the collaborative has a multi-year initiative looking at race and equity in new hampshire and so we wanted them to be a part of the project and we thought this would be a great learning opportunity for them to build um, build a project from the ground up. Like literally you start with the data and here's what you do and we kind of mentored them through the project. And you know, like any good collaboration, it was messy and challenging and made extra hard by Zoom. But to see what they were able to accomplish by the end of it, just reinforced why that's part of our mission. Because if we don't, if we don't, foster that love of journalism in the folks that we have right here in New Hampshire, they will leave and go other places. And we don't want that. We want them to stay here. We want to, in a good, healthy journalistic ecosystem has to start, you got to plant those seeds early so that you have this sort of pipeline from the classroom to the newsroom. And so I think why we especially are, are suited to 
work with students is because we can take our time on a story. We aren't feeding the beast. So we can take our time and actually work with a student and do revisions. And it might be weeks and weeks of revisions, but we can work on it and walk them through the process. Um, and we can teach them different investigative techniques that maybe they wouldn't get in their first job out of school or their first internship. So we're, I'm gonna awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off right there. We're gonna continue this conversation because yeah. I, I I'm very intrigued by it. So you're listening to New England Taking Double KXL 1450 AM 103.9 FM Concord 101.9 FM Manchester and NHTalkRadio.com. I'm your host AJ Kier. So we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the New England Take and WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM Manchester, our latest frequency now broadcasting out of the, uh, off of some hill in Goffstown. Well, you can pick us up all the way down to Merrimack, which is great. So we're, you can get us all over the region now, and as well as nhtalkradio.com for a 24-7 live stream. Be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com to get all the back episodes of the show. Continuing my conversation with Melanie Plenda of the uh, Granite State News Collaborative. She's the director over there, and we're in the middle of talking about education when it comes to higher ed and getting students involved. Uh, do you remember where you were? <laughs> I do, yeah. So we were, I was saying, like, I think we're really – we're really suited to being able to work with students because we can get them involved. We can get them working on projects that they, you know, wouldn't necessarily get in their, get to do in their first job out of college. They wouldn't necessarily get to do as in a typical internship. Um, but they're all skills that they need. And that actually, I, I mean, talk about, you know, not having investigative reporting a lot around those investigative skills have to be learning. It's like a muscle. You got to use them. And so for them to learn that here, I think it's really good. Plus, we can then also connect them to our partner newsrooms. And and more than a few have ended up in our partner newsrooms or, you know, they've, they've gone on to full time work, which is great, you know, and and I think that that is something that's a role that we can play. We can connect um, those students with jobs right here in New Hampshire, which I think is really important and not just college kids like we want to get out. We have done projects with high school kids. Um, we would love to do projects with middle school kids. And I think that is in the future what we're going to do. Yeah, you don't need an undergraduate degree in order to do journalism by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I uh, like I was a music tech major and I just so have like, oh, I want to do a music radio show. Here I am. Yeah. I was like, yeah, and, right? and you talk about the experience, hands on experiences like the, the student journalism experiences. But yeah. my internship was at videography for the Bates Dance Festival. I did videography for Yankee Magazine's uh, production crew over there. And that's the reason why yeah. I ended up doing what I'm doing now, whether it's my full-time job or it's here at uh, WKXL. And it, it's important That's to right. dip your toes into what these different fields have because, as you said, with everything and this, is um, journalism covers a lot of things, whether it's data, yeah. whether it's uh, writing, whether it's putting That's the stuff onto the Internet, social media marketing. There's, there's a lot of pieces. All of those things. And I, and I will say, too, like it, um, it was really – I had a young – reporter reach out to me because we had put out recently and we were looking for investigative freelancers and she was just out of school and and she had been she told me you know um i really want to do investigative reporting but every place i've gone to to do that like reaching out they said i needed a lot more experience to be able to do it and i was like and i said i don't believe 
that. Like yeah. you have to start somewhere. You, you, those skills, you can, you, you need those skills in every story that you do, you know? So it shouldn't be a, about having enough experience to be able to do investigative reporting. You just need someone who can be with you to help, you know, give you good tips as you go. And I told her you need, you know, natural curiosity and patience mm-hmm. more than anything, you know, and being persistent. And those are all things that, um, you know, that we can do and we can help them with, hopefully. And if you, like nowadays with the way the, the digital landscape is, I mean, Substack yeah. has exploded. I mean, Barry Weiss is, I think she's the biggest Substack person. Glenn Greenwald, who yeah. the two of them basically are yeah. poster children for saying, no, we're, this, this mainstream market isn't working for us. We're going to go off on our own and yeah. there's a market for it. And other media outlets yeah. pick up their stuff sometimes. Sometimes they don't, but they, they have a steady income yeah. based off advertising. YouTube has been an amazing outlet. I mean, regardless of his political affiliation, what Tim Tim Pool has done after being a vice infusion is extraordinarily. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't agree with him on a lot of things, but to see what he's sure. done is is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think that's true. And I think that... Um, I mean, it really just comes down to, I think that, um, I think just generally journalism, there's always, there's always going to be a need for journalism. There's Mm -hmm. always going to be hopefully journalists. Um, And I think sometimes we have to remember that it's about getting back to basics. It's about getting back to the fundamentals of reporting, the actual like shoe leather making the calls, making the connections, doing interviews when it's not necessarily going to end up with a story because you need to make those relationships and those connections. You're asking people to trust you, you know I mean? So getting back to those basics, the fundamentals of reporting, um, I think everyone can benefit from that. And I looked at like, I guess I always look to the investigative journalist because I think that's that's at the heart. It's what I said before. Every piece of journalism you do, you should be asking the same kinds of questions. You should yeah. be should have that curiosity to dig deeper, no matter whether it ends up in the story or not, just knowing it so that it yeah. helps you with the next story and the next story. You know, and I think it's one of the reasons why the coverage around COVID has been so painful is there is no proper data analysis as to what's actually going on. Like you get the numbers like, yeah, I've got this many people have been infected yesterday. I'm like. Okay, but how many of them are vaccinated? And is it only the are all the people in the hospital unvaccinated? Or the death people who died, especially, is the biggest number where everyone's concerned about and hospitalizations. Yeah. But almost all of them are unvaccinated. But we don't really have any stats to show that. There's a lot of anecdotes um, or specific yeah. areas that actually cut their crap together and actually put together like what the numbers <laughs> actually are. Right. Yeah, Um, I will say and I will just put in a shameless plug for my partners, because I will say that I I mean, when I wanted to know what was going on in that sort of context and the detail, I I do look to our local news outlets for that. And I do think that they do a fantastic job with that. I mean, we all can do better. But I mean, I think that I think by and large that they have tried to stay focused on that and tried to keep calm, too. You know what I mean? Like to not uh, over overblow anything, but really mm-hmm. keep it, keep that context in there. Yeah, and they, they're more likely to say, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. like Ali Pham, I had her on a couple weeks ago too about her reporting on how the fact that, oh, by the way, the, these numbers don't make sense and here's why. Because that's va- just as valuable as daily stats. 
Yes. And and that has the power to like, you know, if policymakers see that enough, then maybe they have in, you know, state state officials, then maybe they have to do a better job of explaining it. If it's there, then explain it better so that we understand it better. Yeah, exactly. Now, can you dive into a little bit about what your data library is on your uh, website? Yes. So we were lucky enough. um, So essentially the data library is for all of these projects that we're working on. um, We're really starting every project at the data level. Like what does the data say? Where is there a lack of data? What do we know with these different projects that we're working on? And in particular, you know, as I mentioned, the the race and equity initiative that we're working on um, in that project, we're looking specifically in seven or eight different areas. So affordable housing, access to economic opportunity, education equity, health equity, access to civic engagements, policing and and criminal justice uh, and environmental justice. So we start all of those projects in where is the data. And the reason we were able to do that was because we have a data editor, his name is John Bassett. He's from New Hampshire, um, but he is a PhD student in, in Wisconsin right now. And he came to us actually during the pandemic uh, looking to volunteer his data services wow. and his research wow. services. Wow. Yeah, it was kind <laughs> of amazing. Um, and he, for a year, he worked for us for free and just mm-hmm. gathered data because that is the hardest to do. And he has access to research that not all of us do. Um, and he's really good at analyzing it, synthesizing it into kind of a usable, understandable form. And so really that's the basis for the data library that we're growing. Um, we figured that one of the public services that we could do is not only use this data for our reporting and for other reporters to build off of, but for public and policymakers to have access to this. Because data in New Hampshire in particular is so hard to find. Mm -hmm. Either it doesn't exist or it exists, but it's hard to find, like I said, or it's siloed. And sometimes people who should know where it is don't even know where it is. So if we can do that legwork and then put it into an understandable form that people can can access and download and use to make those important decisions that they need to make, then we feel like that's our public service, that we can do that. Um, So the first one was with our environmental justice project, Um, but we have a, a we have several projects in the works (laughs) so there will be lots more data sets in there in the next month month to two months but we offer that for free to download as soon as we have it yeah it's great see i mean in in addition to journalists and people that are uh in in politics i mean when it comes to the university and the other colleges in the state that's the big thing, if you want to make change effective and have it not just so we talk about politics versus policy, it's yep. the numbers. Like, yes, uh, like yes. Buzz Schur, who's a professor at the law school, is now on the police commission in Portsmouth, was on my show. And he's going to be joining me later in the month to shill his latest politics thing he's trying to push. But, <laughs> the, um, but, but it's the reason why like we're, we're polar opposite ends of the libertarian spectrum. He's a super far left libertarian. I'm a center right libertarian. and But what we agreed ultimately when it comes down to is look at the data and figure out if it makes sense or not and we can discuss from there if there's something like maybe this doesn't really make sense and but we'll understand each other because you need that language of what the data is that's right exactly exactly and and also i mean yeah no i mean i have nothing even to add to that because i think that's so right i mean you that's why we're literally every story we start with what does the data say on this and what can we pull together what can we 
make sense out of and and luckily um luckily we have johnny because uh you know i i understand it once he explained this to me but data has always been a little it's it's a totally different thing i was an english major and and there's a reason i went into journalism as i said i was a music major here i am (laughs) right so (laughs) but he's very good at explaining which is great so we're very lucky to have him that's great. So it's about eight minutes left in this segment. So I, I don't want to miss talking about your projects. So uh, okay. how do you come up with your projects? And I feel like it's a great way to uh, make, make it easier for people to find what you're doing. It's like the, sure. like the, the, the other digital outlets are fantastic with their general coverage. But to have that mm-hmm. focus must be uh, very helpful for uh, like the, the modern union leader and such. Oh, I think so. And I think, um, I mean, essentially the part were really the ones that ultimately decided that this was going to be a project that we were going to work on, which was the race and equity initiative. And the, the, um, so in addition to kind of the day-to-day stuff that we do and like, you know, the sharing and and the reporting that we contribute to that, um, this was really an effort. It came out last summer. Uh, You know, we started it, started planning it actually, I think it was last summer and then we launched it in April, but basically the premise was we went, all the partners agreed to to work on this together. We knew it would be at least one year of really taking a deep dive into what race and equity looks like in New Hampshire. Um, but we were, you know, there's no illusion that's gonna likely be a lot more than a year because there's oh, yeah. a lot. Um, but the premise is basically that, um, you know, New Hampshire is not known for being diverse, although we are much more diverse than um, we even give ourselves credit for or know. Um, and so, and we're rapidly becoming more diverse. And so as we become more diverse, it would benefit us as a state to look at where are where are those systemic issues that have disproportionately affected communities of color, um, not only in our state, but, you know, I mean, in our state. And then what are the potential solutions to those things? Like mm-hmm. what could work? You know, are there things that have worked in other states? Are there are there solutions that have been proposed and would those work here? And then really, again, using those investigative skills, kicking the tires on those mm-hmm. suggestions and those proposals, not taking anything for granted that that's the silver bullet. You know what I mean? It, you got to look at these things. Um, and then, you know, another part of our project is just kind of highlighting um, the people in our communities. Because again, part of our project yeah. is educating New Hampshire about itself you know and i think that um i think part of what i think part of what we're looking at too is yeah i mean we're not as diverse as other states but the same sorts of systemic issues that impact communities of color also impact rural communities they also impact you know lower income communities so i think there's going to be a lot of you know as we're working on these stories for this project um I think there's going to be a lot of understanding, hopefully, among a lot of different communities about this is an issue that's not just an issue for one group of people. It's an issue for a lot of a lot of people. Yeah. And so maybe we need to look at it and see what as a state we can do to improve that. Um, and basically, we come up with our stories. We have a couple of different ways. Um, we actually work with a few different um, communities. Um, you know, one thing that we did was we reached out early on to see who wanted you know, who wanted to partner with us and and spoke with leaders and communities of color and said, this is what we'd like to do, but we don't want to do it without you as our partners. And so if you're interested, you know, let us know how you'd like to participate. And a handful of them were interested in being on sort of like an advisory board, but we decided to kind of, instead of an advisory board, you kind of 
create a product and then you show it to them and they give you, you know, their stamp of approval or not. But we wanted to actually instead bring communities into the process early. And so we did something that typically isn't done in journalism, which was the editors and reporters sat down with community members and said, okay, this is what we're thinking, but you know, you tell us like, what, what do we need to focus on in these different areas? And we actually had like an editorial meeting with them and, and wow. kind of went back and forth like you would with reporters and editors. And, um, you know, and it, it was wonderful honestly like it was the editors were really excited because i feel like they they were doing something they felt like they were doing something that they hadn't done before and they got great insights and and then community members remarked later like that we talked about it here and then i saw a story about it like mm-hmm. they saw that we were taking them seriously we, were, we wanted to to cover these things that had not been covered before yeah. so that's sort of how we're starting to come up with those those different slates of stories in those different areas yeah i think that's important i mean the it seems like especially when you're talking about race and equity it always ends up being a nationalized topic and it is not especially in new england with the 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 activists and the politicians always like to throw around white supremacy racism and all that and use that language which immediately just ruins the argument for like 60 percent of the people that are going to be listening to it regardless of what way you lay in the aisle it's people are going to be like what are you talking about um because poverty isn't a tremendous issue in new england i mean it's the the opioid epidemic hit us bad yeah and the right. poverty with the shutdown of the of all the manufacturing in the region over the previous 60 plus years had a tremendous impact on culture and um the, the homeless population the shutdown yep. of mental hospitals and across the region um yep. these people are there still these communities exist but yes. you need that local lens in order to really figure out where it connects Exactly. And and again, it goes back to like even whether you're looking at what the issue is or what a potential solution is, it's all about will it work here? Like yes. what does this look like here? What is what is an examination of race and equity look like here? And and what are these issues? And again, if it's a systemic issue, it's hitting a lot of people, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. like, and, and acknowledging that and, and bringing everyone into that conversation so that we're all, so that it's less, I, at least I hope it's less polarizing, yeah. that it actually more people will take that information in and think about it mm-hmm. in, you know, and, and then maybe be more willing to, to act in yeah, whatever way. Just like an example, this isn't anything either of us have directly covered uh, on our platforms sure. I'm aware of, but I have a problem with like, for example, how the ACLU of New Hampshire covers race in the prison system. Like, I mm-hmm. think they put too fine a focus on it. Like, uh, John Lascaz, who's their smart activism guy, is mm-hmm. amazing. Like, his story mm-hmm. is powerful and disturbing. Um, mm-hmm. But this is not just happening to him. And if I had to guess, it's happening to a lot of people that are getting off drugs a lot of people that are have really bad backgrounds, live in poverty, and are in a horrible place, and are going through equally as horrible things. And mm-hmm. you can't just say it's just race. You need to expand it because that's just that's the anecdote, and you got to look at the numbers again. I think yes, you can't look at just race, but I also do think that there needs to be needs to be part a of spotlight sure. in that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think especially in a place like New Hampshire, where it is taken for granted that we are majority white and, and, and 
theory, there's not a lot of communities of color. So I, yeah. I actually think that is when you you absolutely have to shine a spotlight on it because it's it so far goes. I mean, like everyone takes for granted. Oh, there's not communities. Yes, there are. There yeah. are communities of color here, yeah. and this is impacting our neighbors. You know, and I. So I do think, in that sense, I absolutely think that we need to shine a light on that so that people understand that that happens here too. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 at the same time, where can we find those common areas where we can, you know, say it's also affecting other people? Yeah. I think you know that also mean? affecting is really an issue when it looks at the, especially in the national. We talk about the national versus the local. Sure. It's, the national just completely ignores it, in my opinion. Um, <sighs> like a common example that's always forgotten is the horribleness that happens in Appalachia, for example, is like a, a mm-hmm. big spotlight and. It, it needs to not be forgotten in the coverage and you can't go deeper if you're just doing a five minute CNN segment. Yeah. And I, well, and I think all that kind of nuance and context is, is true. Hopefully of the kind of reporting that we are trying to do, which is to bring, you know, context and an explanation and take more than yes. just 500 words to talk about an issue for sure. Or rent a quick. <laughs> well, everyone should check out Granite State News Collaborative. It's collaborativenh.org. I'm speaking with Melanie Plinda, of, who's the director of the Granite State News Collaborative. You're listening to the New England Tape. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to wrap it up. Welcome back to the New England Take and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kears. So we're speaking with Melanie Plenda, who's the director of the Granite State News Collaborative. Check out collaborativenh.org. So this is the short segment. So we're going to start off with you guys have a fundraiser to keep you guys afloat. What's going on there? Yeah, we actually um, we're doing sort of an end of the year campaign to add to our um, investigative reporting fund. So we're trying to raise 15000 by the end of the year. It's a lofty goal, but, you know, we like to aim high and, um, you know, uh, you can get details on our website at collaborativenh.org. Awesome. If you want to donate, that'd be awesome. We send a really cute thank you. <laughs> Definitely. If you're if you're interested at all in them, please please do support them. I, it's a really great idea to support local journalists, which they are definitely putting to work, which is great to see. So, say people want to get into journalism, just just that they're they're either students or there's someone that kind of writes a little bit. I mean, what do you suggest they should do to start getting into the field? Oh, I I I'll tell you how I did it. I mean, like I I worked. You know, I was a staffer for years and years and years, like a staff reporter, but I also I freelanced for 10 years and I I wrote for everybody. And that honestly, freelancing is a great place to start. And and people get to know you, um, you know, you start to build those connections, um, joining the New Hampshire Press Association. It's a good way to network and get involved with the outlets. Um, we're always I mean, I'm always entertaining the idea of, you know, uh, anyone who wants to reach out to me to, to, to freelance is more than welcome to send a resume and reach out. And um, we like to work with, with new reporters and experienced reporters, retired reporters, anyone who loves uh, reporting and uh, we're happy to work with them. But I would say, yeah, like anytime you can make those connections and if you can freelance, um, those are, those are great places to start for sure. I mean, network's the reason why I'm here. <laughs> it's the reason why I, I, right? like I produce yes, the radio exactly, show. I did exactly. student journalism. It's, and, and you yeah. make connections over time. And my legal podcast for a few years before doing doing my own show here in KXL, it's it, it's very important. You get that practice. I mean, that practice must be yeah. – is especially big for, for uh, writing. It's easier to just talk to people, I think. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, and that practice is what really, really helps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So news agencies that want to get involved with the collaborative, what's that look like? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so basically we, um, you know, they just reach out to me and um, ultimately we have a board. I mean, we have an editorial board, which is all of the partners and we have an administrative board and, um, you know, typically a partner, a new partner will sign an MOU. That's, I mean, it's non-binding. It's more or less a gentleman's agreement and, um, you know, but they have to be, yeah. And we have bylaws and things like that, that, um, but pretty much, I mean, we, we take all comers, although, you know, so I, I, I should say, so far, we've taken all comers. <laughs> so, We'd love to be able to say no at some point. it's up to the board, right? I know. I There will be one, I you know. But we have bylaws that kind of lay out what the expectation of the actual news agency is in terms of, you know, uh, what qualifies as a news agency. We actually use the New Hampshire Press Association sort of definition and, and that kind of thing. Um, but again, like we have all kinds of partners in our, our partnership, like Manchester Inc. Link, which is the wonderful Carol Robidoux, who's my personal hero and, uh, you know, is a one woman band at that or two person, I guess now, over in uh, digital. I love them. We have legacy outlets. Um, we have NHPR and New Hampshire PBS. So, I mean, really, we run the gamut. We have business outlets. I mean, we, you know more the merrier <laughs> that's great definitely check out collaborativenh.org there there's some of their articles there you can check out all the many partners that they have which are fantastic to see um if you're a student get into journalism learn about it you yes. can there's many aspects to it, whether it's the production website whether it's writing articles whether it's ranting into a microphone and speaking to nice people like melanie plenda here <laughs> director of the granite state news collaborative thanks so much for joining me this is a lot of fun Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. You're listening to New England Taken to BKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM Manchester. Now, don't forget that. And NHTalkRadio.com will be back next week.